Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. To get all of the fun stuff out of the way at the top, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us on social media, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And if you'd like to send us a note, we're always happy to hear your thoughts at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. With all of that said, let's kick off our May book picks. It's Joe and I here today with Kristen. Hi, how are you guys? Good, how are you? Doing so well. Very excited to talk about some May books. Yeah, well, welcome back. I'm excited to see what your May picks are. Likewise. We have tons of good books, I think, for listeners. So let's rock and roll and dive right in. Kristen, since you have been talking books all day, I'm going to make you start. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I love talking books and I'm so happy that I get to do it professionally. So the first book I want to talk about is The Salt Grows Heavy by Cassandra Kaw. If you were one of the many readers of Nothing But Black and Teeth by Ka, then you will be excited to hear their newest novella is coming out May 1st. This is a dark, slanted retelling of The Little Mermaid. But if the mermaids were more like the mermaids from Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant, Vicious and Hungry. This story takes place after the mermaid has come to land and had children with her controlling prince. She decides her prince's kingdom is no longer a place for her and wanders off with a plague doctor to find somewhere else where she can be part of their world. This novella gave me post-apocalyptic vibes with some lost boys type characters and a few more doctors who have certainly not started a cultish organ farm. Certainly not. This book contains body horror, so there is a warning on that for you. I mean, come on. We love a retelling. You've got some steampunk vibes in there. like For sure. Dang, that sounds so good. <laughs> it really was. It was, and again, it was so short. I read this one in, you know, a day. And I didn't know going into it, it was Little Mermaid retelling, sort of. I will say that because it's not the whole setup of, you know, the prince and the mermaid meeting each other. Uh, but it was very fun. I love it. All right. Well, I'll kick it off with my first pick then. I've got Witch King by Martha Wells. This is out at the end of the month, so making you wait a little bit there. After being murdered, his consciousness dormant and unaware of the passing of time while confined in an elaborate water trap, Kai wakes to find a lesser mage attempting to harness his magic to his own advantage. That was never going to go well. But why was Kai imprisoned in the first place? What has changed in the world since his assassination? And why does the Rising World Coalition appear to be growing in influence? Kai will need to pull his allies close and draw on all his pain magic if he is to answer even the least of these questions. He's not going to like the answers, but he's going to get them. Witch King is Martha Wells' first new fantasy novel in over a decade, drawing together her signature ability to create characters we adore and identify with, alongside breathtaking action and adventure, and the wit and charm we've come to expect from one of the leading writers of her generation. So that is Witch King by Martha Wells, out May 30th. I'm really looking forward to this. It gave me kind of like Legend of Zelda vibes with the beginning of uh, the most recent game with Link waking up in kind of the resurrection chamber, not knowing what to do, not having his memories, but 
having to go save Hyrule once again, and maybe or maybe not, I am desperately awaiting Tears of the Kingdom coming out in what is only a few weeks, but feels like an eternity. <laughs> uh, Martha Wells did the murder bot diaries, right? Yeah. I'm okay. pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've only read the first one in that, but that series is so good. She's so much fun. So I'm excited to see a fantasy book coming out from her. Yeah. She seems to kind of dance between a lot of really compelling genres and we all know I love I love me some magic, so yes. I'm diving into fantasy. Yes. Anything with a witch in it, I'm like, that's that's me. Hi, uh, I, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> right. If you, Especially if you put it in the title, I don't even have to hunt that hard. Witch right off the bat, I'm in. <laughs> that's definitely one of your keywords, Kristen. It is one of my keywords, yes. My first pick that I'm switching because I'm trying to go with the vibe of this. We're going to kick us off with The Chateau by Jacqueline Goldis. This is out on May 23rd. This is a dream girl's trip to a luxurious French chateau that quickly devolves into a deadly nightmare of secrets and murder. So a perfect thriller for fans of Lucy Foley, Ruth Ware, and Lisa Jewell. I love this type of mystery thriller set in a gorgeous location, girls trip, and then somebody is hiding something and there's murderers. So welcome to picturesque Provence, where the lady of the chateau, Seraphine, what a name, has opened its elegant doors to her granddaughter, Darcy, and her three friends. 20 years earlier, the four girlfriends studied abroad together in France and visited the old woman on the weekends, creating the group's deep bond. But why this sudden invitation? Amid winery tours, market visits, and fancy dinners overlooking olive groves and lavender fields, it becomes clear that each woman has a hidden reason for returning to the estate after all these years. Then, following a wild evening celebration, Seraphine is found brutally murdered. In the midst of this shocking crime, a sinister Instagram account pops up, exposing snapshots of the friend's intimate moments at the chateau while threatening to reveal more. As they race to uncover who murdered Seraphine and is now stalking them, the friends begin to suspect each other because the chateau houses many secrets, several worth killing for. Um, yeah. So it that's it. It sounds like a wild ride. <laughs> It sounds so good. And I love that they're using social media as a tool to threaten them. Yes. I, I had a giggle in the background while you were saying that. Cause I was just like, that seems so weird to me. That seems weird, but. But especially against the like Chateau, which is like a historical setting, the juxtaposition of that with social media is interesting to me. So I'm excited to see what Jacqueline Goldis does in the Chateau. We can all find out on May 23rd. <laughs> Such a fun sounding title with all the good keywords. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of reflair, good... a lot of good murder. Oh, exactly. Yes. All those murder buzzwords. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of murder, I'm going to talk about a novel disguise by Samantha Larson. A cross-dressing librarian from 1780s London must solve the murder of a servant in the house she works in, along with where several missing items have disappeared to, all while trying to remain in disguise and potentially falling for a local bookseller. This is the story of Miss Tiffany Woodall, who buried, but didn't murder, her half-brother in her back garden. No one can know he is dead, as Tiffany wants to keep her freedom and her cottage. All she must do is pretend to be him, which means working as a librarian in the Duke of Beaufort's library. What could go wrong? This sounds like a very fun time. I like to imagine some Mrs. Doubtfire-style wardrobe changes back and forth while Tiffany must pretend to be her brother and herself at the same time. This one is a bit more cozy sounding than the Chateau, but still fun. It's arsenic and old lace it's cozy it's mrs doubtfire that sounds so fun yes yes i think it'll be a really good time and like a perfect spring into summer kind of read yes absolutely my next pick is out on may 2nd 
This is Four Found Dead by Natalie D. Richards. Tonight, Riverview Theaters is closing forever, the last remaining business in a defunct shopping mall. The moviegoers have left, and Joe and her six co-workers have the final shift, a shift that quickly takes a dark turn. First, a stranger arrives with a chilling accusation. Then the power goes out, and their manager disappears, along with the keys to the lobby doors, the theater safe, where their phones are locked after or during each shift, you know, all the kind of things they need to potentially survive this. The crew's tension turns to terror when Joe discovers the dead body of one of her co-workers. Now their only chance to escape this murderer in the midst is through the dark, shuttered mall. With its boarded up exits and disabled fire alarms, the complex is filled with hiding places for both pursuer and pursued. In order to survive this night, Joe and her friends must trust one another, navigate the sprawling ruins of the mall, and outwit a killer before he kills them all. And that is Or Found Dead by Natalie D. Richards, out May 2nd. I'm getting very, I'm not sure if you guys watched the Fear Street trilogy. I sure um, did. <laughs> yes, I'm, the last one when they're in the yep. mall, that is exactly what came to my mind. It's exactly that. I, I love them all. I don't know if I've said it on here, but I love them all. Do I Were do you a any? Mall kid? I I wasn't like it was a later Renaissance. Like once I hit high school, I was a mall kid. But our the mall near my house growing up, uh, me and my friends couldn't hang out in because they had immediately established uh, what they called like gang laws that any group of kids over three was considered a gang and they would kick you out. Like if you were just walking in the mall with three of your friends and no adults, they would kick you out, which, you know, shocker that mall closed and was then torn down because they made it. So the majority of people who like go to malls, teenagers couldn't go there. Um, so once I had a car, I became like a high school mall rat, but uh, I love the mall. I am in my old age at 30. I'm now like a mall walker. I feel like half the time. Um, and who doesn't love an Auntie Anne's pretzel? <laughs> speaking my language mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is auntie Anne's pretzels but yeah <laughs> i i want to see how this like last vestige closing down in a dying mall turn murder rampage uh plays out so a little uh ya thriller horror book to kick off may speaking of nostalgia This brings me to my next pick, which is Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. This is out on May 2nd, and I've been looking forward to this book pretty much since she announced it. So Carly Fortune took Book Talk and Bookstagram by storm last summer with Every Summer After, and I absolutely cannot wait for this follow-up with Meet Me at the Lake. First of all, the cover is stunning. It's a bunch of shades of pink, and it's everything that I want for summer. So to the plot, Fern Brookbanks is 32 and she returns to her hometown to run her family lakeside resort. Now think dirty dancing like Kellerman's. So returning home to run the resort is literally everything that Fern swore she would never, ever do, but her mom suddenly passes away and she has to. Even worse, the manager of the resort is her ex-boyfriend from high school, Jamie. And so unbeknownst to Fern, a suave, handsome consultant that her mom hired before she passed away to help the resort rebrand shows up in the midst of all of this. And it's Will, a man she met almost 10 years ago. They had a magical day together at the lake and promised to meet at the lake one year later. Fern showed up, but Will never showed. I really feel like that's all you need to know. So second chance romance, yes, please. But what will these two do? Put back together in the same spot where they met almost a decade later. How will all of her past come into play? Do they have a future? Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune comes out May 2nd. That sounds like so much fun. I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) All right. To continue on with the lighter themes... Uh, I am going to talk about Surprisingly Sarah by Terry Libinson, which is out May 2nd. Uh, Terry is a Clevelander, which is local to us, so I absolutely love that. Um, And I was really surprised when I found that out while doing the research on this book. Um, I've loved Libinson's Emmy and Friends series for several years, and 
Surprisingly, Sarah is the seventh installment in this middle grade comic series. Sarah and Leo have been best friends for years. They share everything until Sarah gets a crush on Leo's friend, Ben. One day, Sarah has to make a big choice. Ask Ben to the school dance or chicken out. Either way, Sarah and Leo's friendship will be put to the test. Libinson's novels are in a similar style to the Wimpy Kid series in that there are paragraphs of writing broken up with comics. I love her novels because the kids are relatable and there's usually a twist of some sort at the end. These novels transport me back to what it's like, what it was like to be that age, how you question yourself, your friendships, and how things that feel like small potatoes to adults are a big deal to kids. If you enjoy juvenile fiction or have a kid in your life, this is a great series, and I'm really excited for this installment. That's so much fun. I really appreciate the style as well. Like you said, comparing them to Wimpy Kid or anything that just has that like bit of text, break for some comics, mixing the medias, I think makes reading really approachable, but also like to your point, just that piece of reminding us what we need to be relating to if we have kids in our life if we have you know just people that we need to relate to a little differently it's nice to to get those reminders yeah it is this series really is lovely and um really great for reluctant readers because again like you said having that break with Mm -hmm. the comics in there is really really nice and I feel like it also makes it move quickly definitely so my next pick I did already confirm comes out in May Uh, This is May 16th. I wanted to give myself a little sci-fi challenge. Uh, I know I don't read a ton of sci-fi or it comes to me in different ways. So I'm just going to go right into Titanium Noir by Nick Harkaway. Once again, out May 16th. Now, naturally, to get myself into some sci-fi, I picked a like a noir style whodunit mystery, at least from the vibes of the cover and the overall sound described as cross genre brilliance from the New York Times bestselling author of the agency, William Gibson. But Cal Sounder is a detective working for the police on certain very sensitive cases. So when he's called in to investigate a homicide at a local apartment, he's surprised by the routineness of it all. But when he arrives on scene, Cal soon learns that the victim, Roddy Tebbett, an otherwise milquetoast techie, is well over seven feet tall. And although he doesn't look a day over 30, he's 91 years old. Tebbett is a titan, one of this dystopian near-future society's genetically altered elites, and this case is definitely Cal's thing. There are only a few thousand titans worldwide, thanks to Stefan Tofameska's discovery of the controversial T7 genetic therapy, which elevated his family to godlike status. T7 turns average humans into near-immortal distortions of themselves, with immense physical proportions to match their ostentatious, unreachable lifestyles. A dead titan is big news. A murdered titan is unimaginable. But these modified magnates are Cal's specialty. In fact, his own ex-girlfriend, Athena, is a titan. And not just any, she's Stefan's daughter, heir to the massive Tonfamesca empire. As the murder investigation intensifies, Cal begins to unravel complicated threads of what should have been a straightforward case, and it becomes clear he's on the trail of a crime whose roots run deep into the dark heart of the world. So that is Titanium Noir by Nick Harkaway out may 16th that sounds so interesting i like as soon as you say titan i'm just like oh greek mythology kind of thing and right a little bit but it sounds like it's a little different too with (laughs) kind of the genetics and things like that being thrown in it definitely i for sure am spoonful of sugaring myself kind of picking all of my comfort background pieces (laughs) to to dip into sci-fi but who doesn't love a noir style? Like who doesn't love a whodunit? You can picture it, you know, the fan spinning in the air, everything's in black and white. Yes. But yeah, it's got a fedora. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And a (laughs) trench coat. Yes. I think it's a great way to get into a genre that maybe isn't your home base to find kind of some of those little nuances that you already really enjoy. So. Definitely. So hot tip for everyone. Uh, (laughs) 
you know, just like you're trying to hide extra veggies in kids' meals, you want to do that for yourself if you're diving into a new genre. If you don't love one, you know, find ones that have elements you love. I love that. Hide veggies in your books. Yeah, that'll go well. Hide veggies. That's exactly what I'm saying. Unless they're library books. (laughs) Don't do that. Only your own. Put carrots on your bookshelves. (laughs) I have no segue. My next pick is Did You Hear About Kitty Carr by Crystal Smith-Paul. This is also out on May 2nd. We have a multi-generational saga. We have old Hollywood reflected against modern day Hollywood. So Kitty Carr Tate is a, a white silver screen icon and she passes away and randomly, seemingly leaves her entire fortune to her next door neighbors, the three St. John sisters. They are young, wealthy, and black. Elise St. John saw Kitty as a mentor and a neighbor, but she'd really rather not spend all this time sorting out her elderly neighbor's estate. She has enough on her hands with her own PR disasters of late, including a cheating fiance and some bad social media posts. But when Elise finds something shocking in one of Kitty's old journals, Everyone has to grapple with the complicated family secrets, old debts, and potential crimes. From the description, because they said it best, Did You Hear About Kitty Carr is a sprawling page-turner set against the backdrop of the Hollywood machine, an insightful and nuanced look at the inheritances of family, race, and gender, and the choices some women make to break free of them. So again, that was, did you hear about Kitty Carr by Crystal Smith, Paul out May 2nd. I absolutely cannot wait for this book. It looks fantastic. And the cover is stunning. I was going to try to beat you to it, but this cover (laughs) is gorgeous. And that sounds so good. I love a, I love a multi-generational story anytime, but this, this combo of like, fame and just commentary on society and this cover (laughs) like yeah and I check 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 exactly the choices that you make Mm -hmm. and how they may have ripple effects on the rest of your family down the line or those around you how your neighbors impact you. I just love that this examines a lot of those really interesting and often complicated dynamics. And I love an old Hollywood tale. Absolutely. Me too. Um, I have kind of a perfect segue book. Speaking of kind of how things ripple down the line and race and things like that. Uh, I want to talk about Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. And this comes out May 16th. Uh, from the author of Poppy War of the Poppy Wars trilogy comes a new contemporary literary novel. Authors June Hayward and Athena Liu were supposed to be twin rising stars, same year at Yale, same du- debut year in publishing, but Athena's a cross-genre literary darling, and June didn't even get a paperback release. Nobody wants stories about basic white girls, June thinks. So when June witnesses Athena's death in a freak accident, she acts on impulse. She steals Athena's just-finished masterpiece, an experimental novel about the unsung contributions of Chinese laborers to the British and French war efforts during World War I. That is is a lot. (laughs) So what if June edits Athena's novel and sends it to her agent as her own work? So what if she lets her new publisher rebrand her as Juniper Song, complete with an ambiguously ethnic author photo? Doesn't this piece of history deserve to be told, whoever the teller? That's what June claims, and the New York Times bestseller list seems to agree. But June can't get away from Athena's shadow, and emerging evidence threatens to bring June's stolen success down around her. As June races to protect her secret, she discovers exactly how far she will go to keep what she thinks she deserves. With its totally immersive first-person voice, Yellowface takes on questions of diversity, racism, and cultural appropriation, not only in the publishing industry, but the persistent erasure of Asian American voices and history by Western white society. 
R.F. Kuang's novel is timely, razor sharp, and eminently readable. I have had many conversations about own voices content over the past several years surrounding the importance of hearing stories about ethnic, LGBTQIA+, racial, and religions from people who come from those backgrounds. This feels like a poignant book surrounding that theme, and I cannot wait to see how Kuang dissects that and tells this story. Wow. <laughs> like, like, just wow. Yeah. I mean, it, I, you see it, though. You see the, like, oh, my best friend's so successful, going to be so, like, going to be so good. And, oh, well, I have my hands on this manuscript. What if I just... Yeah, I'll just just take it, put my name on it. Who would know? I'll take it. I'll put my name on it. I'll change my identity, basically, to really sell this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, yeah, the whole cultural appropriation of it. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, just, oh, man. The Dola's all of it all. Yes. appreciate the commentary on the publishing industry itself and things like the New York Times bestseller lists, which are historically interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I said interesting, but yes, like there's a, <laughs> there's a big lack of diversity on those bestseller lists and even in what publishing promotes. So I'm interested to see how people respond to that book once it's out. Definitely. Yeah. The response will be fascinating to say the least. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to read it and I can't wait to, you know, hear what other people think about it and how it is uh, it's talked about. Yeah. So my next pick, I, we're, we're in a similar vein here. I'm going to go with the collected regrets of Clover by Mickey Brommer. This one is out May 9th. So what is the point of giving someone a beautiful death if you can't give yourself a beautiful life? From the day she watched her kindergarten teacher drop dead during a dramatic telling of Peter Rabbit, Clover Brooke has felt a stronger connection with the dying than she has with the living. After the beloved grandfather who raised her dies alone while she's traveling, Clover becomes a death doula in New York City, dedicating her life to ushering people peacefully through their end-of-life process. Clover spends so much time with the dying that she has no life of her own, until the final wishes of a feisty old woman send Clover on a trip across the country to uncover a forgotten love story, and perhaps her own happy ending. As she finds herself struggling to navigate the uncharted roads of romance and friendship, Clover is forced to examine what she really wants and whether she'll have the courage to go after it. Um, And so, of course, just the thoughtful quote from the publisher, probing, clever, and hopeful, the collected regrets of Clover turn the normally taboo subject of death into a reason to celebrate life. So that is The Collected Regrets of Clover by Mickey Brommer out May 9th. Uh, If you have not, you know, looked into the world of death or death doulas, I think a book like this, even if you have your own discomforts around death and dying, is a really important way to just kind of explore your own relationship uh, with end of life and consider, are you living your life to its fullest potential uh, or are you living in fear of the end? I've never heard of a death doula. That is so interesting. In the same way that um, your your typical doula is helping, you know, similar to a midwife, like helping the birthing process, this is a person who's helping uh, the dying process. I mean, the only thing that comes to mind that like I've had experience with would be hospice care, the kind of like staff and nurses who are usually around to ease someone uh, at at their end of days. But it's it's that like peace and celebration and comfort and care. Yeah. Kind of getting uh, the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry vibes from this, where again, kind of end of life feelings and having to go on that big trip. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to reading this book. To keep in the similar vibes, because I don't feel like I can recommend a romance after that. I'm going to skip ahead to The Guest by Emma Klein. This comes out May 16th. Now, I love Emma Klein's books. They're always a little bit creepy, a little bit dark, but not like 
super dark. I don't know. Um, but so Alex is our main character here and she's a grifter. She's been staying with an older man on Long Island. And after behaving poorly at a dinner party, she gets kicked out of his house with a one-way ticket back to New York City. But she decides she's not going to head back to the city. She doesn't have anything to return to. So she's going to just stay in town. So Alex latches on to a group arriving to stay at a vacation rental. And so begins the story as Alex drifts from place to place in the week leading up to Labor Day. She's initially unwelcome everywhere she goes, but somehow she makes it work. So that is The Guest by Emma Klein out May 16th. I know all I do is talk about the cover, but this one is really, really, really eye-catching in the context of the story. So it's just green with a hand sort of reaching out. And I just think that goes with the vibe of the story where someone initially is unwelcome everywhere they go. And they sort of just insert themselves into these situations and make it work until they're no longer welcome and they do it all over again. So I'm really excited for this one. That sounds like it would be a really exhausting existence. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. Yeah. Um, Okay. I am going to talk about a cozy mystery. This cozy mystery comes out May 23rd, and it is The Diva Delivers on a Promise, by Krista Davis. I really love cozy mysteries. And for those of you who don't know what they are, they are a mystery that follows an amateur detective. um, And there is no blood and gore on the page. There's almost always a murder, but it's off page. You don't see it. Um, So this, uh, I think my love of cozy mysteries came from Jessica Fletcher. Um, I blame her, but yeah. I originally started looking for cozy mystery when I was looking for a book that had Halloween feels. I wanted something that just really felt like that season. And I ran across Krista Davis's fifth book in the Domestic Diva Mystery series, The Diva Haunts the House, and I was hooked. Davis is my favorite cozy mystery author, and now we get her 16th book in this series. Sophie Winston is a party planner and entertainment aficionado. In this book, she's planning a convention for the Association of Ghost Kitchens, restaurants that do delivery only. In the midst of planning, she has lunch with Geraldine Stansfield, a local with a lavish house and a wonderful philanthropic cause. However, the lunch is ruined when Sophie finds a dead body in Geraldine's dining room. I hate it when that happens. Although Geraldine's house may look spotless, Sophie can find the dirty laundry being hidden, and knowing this amateur detective, she'll solve the crime. Hallmarks of this series are Sophie's gorgeous, potentially haunted house in Alexandria, Virginia, her sassy best friend, her dog and cat, and her ex's annoying wife, Natasha, who is always in competition with Sophie. Davis is incredible at setting the scene and giving descriptions, so if you or anyone you know are looking for a book that makes you feel like you are reading the holidays or seasons, this series is perfect. I was really happy to see that she has a new diva book. I know how much you love this series. I love it so much. (laughs) I also owe my love of cozy mysteries entirely to Jessica Fletcher. 
if there is one thing I love the most, it is indeed Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Yes, yes. I grew up watching it and it feels so weird to be like, oh, murder is so cozy. I just need a blanket. Right? Murder Um, is so fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I love cozies because some of them are like absolutely bonkers where people just have like the weirdest hobbies. There's one like, where someone does gourd crafts. And I think that's the premise of the series. This woman is like a gourd craftsman person. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's all you need to say, I Joe. Mean... Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, we, hey, okay. We love a, a gourd yeah. artist. Yes. Um, So this one was The Diva Delivers on a Promise by Krista Davis. The series is Domestic Diva Mysteries. Domestic Diva Mysteries. It's just everything. It just gets better and better. Like all the words I enjoy. I know. So I'm going to, I feel like I brought down the mood a little bit with my last pick. So maybe I will, uh, maybe I'll throw out a little romance. How about that? Me? Never. My next pick is I Like Me Better by Robbie Weber. This one is out May 3rd. When the captain's prank means trouble for the whole squad, Zach's left with no choice but to take one for the team and cover for him. Now he's trading parties and beach days for community service at a seaside conservation center. Fair enough. But thanks to his new reputation, the cute intern Chip won't even give him a shot. Still, Zach finds himself falling for Chip between dolphin encounters and shark costume disasters, which means he suddenly has way more on the line than he ever expected. Zach may be good at winning on the field, but can he keep up with the lie without losing himself? So that is I Like Me Better by Robbie Weber, out May 3rd. It's a Harlequin teen, LGBTQIA plus young adult romance title. It sounds so fun. It sounds lighthearted. I I can't be mad at that, right? I mean, dolphin encounters. And, and- <laughs> shark costume disasters. That just reminds me of the Katy Perry Left Shark. Uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> Left Shark. I love that you picked a romance because it's always a perfect segue for me to talk about more of my romance picks on my list. So my next one is The True Love Experiment by Christina Lauren. This is out May 16th. Longtime readers of Christina Lauren will be really happy to see Felicity Fizzy Chen get her own book. She first appeared in The Soulmate Equation. So if you're familiar with that, you'll love this next one. So Fizzy is a romance writer, but she's not sure she's ever been in love. She feels a little bit like a phony to write so many romance novels when she herself has never felt that spark, that connection. Enter the true love experiment. It's a reality TV dating show. And who better to be the lead than a romance writer herself looking for love? Enter Connor Prince, who asks Fizzy to be the main lead of the true love experiment. He's personally really pissed to be put in the situation. He's normally a documentary filmmaker, and he would really rather be doing anything than pushing a reality dating competition. But his job is on the line if he doesn't go through with it. So when he runs into Fizzy and he asks her to be the host or not the host, to be the main love interest on this reality dating competition, She agrees under the circumstances that he agrees to all of the terms she wants for the show. He says yes, and these terms are hilarious. She wants each of the men competing for her hand to fit into a romance hero trope, like Navy Seal or Scottish Rogue, all of those greats. So all of the love talk between Connor and Fizzy makes Connor wonder if he'll ever find that for himself too. Hmm. Are sparks going to fly on screen and off screen? Hmm. Probably. So that's the true love experiment by Christina Lauren out May 16th. I absolutely cannot wait for this. It sounds like all of the things I want in one book. A mashup of every single romance trope out there. I, yes. 
Yes. And the tongue in cheek, like they're commenting on the romance tropes and like romance writers and readers. And I love a good trope. So I will absolutely take a reality dating competition that has male leads from all of our favorite romance tropes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. Okay. I am going in a bit of a different direction. We're going to dive back into some fantasy with Ink Blood Sister Scribe by Emma Tors. This comes out May 30th. Half-sisters Joanna and Esther have inherited a family library. That would be enough to get me excited, but these are no ordinary books. These ancient, rare books of magic allow the readers to manipulate the elements and use the magic between their covers. However, magic comes at a cost. After the women's father dies, suddenly after reading a previously unknown volume, the sisters must come together to discover what happened. But they may discover much deeper secrets, like the world of magic is vaster than either previously knew, and perhaps there are other libraries like theirs out there. This is a book for lovers of Ninth House, The Magicians, and Practical Magic. It is Tor's debut novel, but that doesn't mean she is a new writer. She's already won a World Fantasy Award for Short Fiction and an O. Henry Prize. That is Ink Blood Sister Scribe by Emma Tors. I mean, you got me when you said practical magic. If everything else wasn't enough, that was nail in the coffin. But mm, mm-hmm. that sounds so good. And we love the like, I mean, bookish magic, uh-huh. magic with books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Sign me up. Sign me oh, up. twins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we have to go be witches somewhere together. You name the place. All right. I'll find a I'll find a park. My next pick is We Don't Swim Here by Vincent Tirado. Bronwyn is only supposed to be in rural Hillwoods for a year. Her grandmother is in hospice and her father needs to get her affairs in order. And they're all meant to make some final memories together. I know I'm bringing really happy, lighthearted titles today. Except Bronwyn is miserable. Her grandmother's dying. Everyone is standoffish and she can't even go swimming. All she hears are warnings about going in the water despite a gorgeous lake and a pool at the abandoned rec center and another in the high school basement. Anais tries her best to protect Bronwyn from the shadows of Hillwoods. She follows her own rituals to avoid any unnecessary attention. And if she can just get Bronwyn to stop asking questions, she can protect her too. The less Bronwyn pays attention to Hillwoods, the less Hillwoods will pay attention to Bronwyn. She doesn't get that the lore is, well, truth. History, pain, the living aren't the only ones who seek retribution when they're wronged. But when Bronwyn does more exploring than she should, they are both in for a danger they couldn't expect. So that is We Don't Swim Here by Vincent Tirado, and that is out May 2nd. Thriller, suspense, a bit of supernatural vibes uh, in this YA title. I'm very much looking forward to this because it also reminds me of like a lot of the things I was learning on TikTok over the pandemic about like places that people don't swim and, you know, buried cities and flooded things and all of these. Like, I really appreciate this mix of like, what are some real world pieces of trauma that can blend in and really lend kind of that. Oh no, what is the word? Um, like a urban legend. There we go. <laughs> that kind of thing. I was trying to get there. I really love a title that brings kind of an urban legend and the campfire mythology into like a literature space, but I like it even more when it seems like that can fight back. I am so happy you just said campfire mythology because that brings me to what this made me think of, which is that Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, The Tale of the Dead Man's Float? Of course. With the, yeah, with the kids who find, you know, oh, there's an abandoned pool in our school. We should go hang out there. No, you shouldn't because there's a creepy creature living in it and it wants to murder you. If there is an abandoned pool, the answer is always no, you shouldn't. It has been abandoned. Leave it alone. For a reason. Exactly. If people are telling you don't go in the water, don't go in the water. Don't go in the water. 
I love that you said this has supernatural vibes. And I took that to be both supernatural, the like the Winchester elements and and also the Winchester brothers, because I'm going to mention it in every episode I can get away with. Check the box, hit the bingo card, kids. If y'all have a PBN bingo card of things that we're going to mention every episode, I will mention the Winchester brothers where applicable or even not applicable which is no segue into my next pick, uh, which is A Shadow Crown by Melissa Blair. This is out on May 9th. So book talk strikes again here. I'm sorry. It's such a big influence to me, but Melissa Blair is back with the second book in the Halfling saga. This is perfect for fans of Throne of Glass. So Kira is a spy and assassin for the crown. When she's not being the public sword for the king, she's working in the shadows with Prince Killian and his shadow, a fae named Riven. Together, they're working to dismantle the king's rule. This has political scheming, backstabbing, romance. Readers are in for a page-turning ride in the second installment of the popular Halfling saga. So I absolutely cannot wait for A Shadow Crown by Melissa Blair, which is out May 9th. Love it. That sounds like so much fun. The Fae are so hot right now. The Fae, they're so hot. Yeah. <laughs> Hansel. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Hansel. Anyway, Kristen, what's your next pick? For my, I believe this is my last pick. I have Chain Gang All Stars by Nana Kwame Adabrenya. This comes out May 2nd. Ada Brenya is the best-selling author of Friday Black, and this novel is a highly anticipated 2023 read. As private prisons become more prevalent, a new program is enacted, CAPE, Criminal Action Penal Entertainment. This is a highly popular and highly controversial new program that allows prisoners to literally fight for their freedom. Loretta and Hamara are the stars of the chain gang All-Stars, making them modern-day gladiators. They travel as links in chain gangs, competing in death matches to try and win their freedom. Loretta and Hamara are fan favorites in the arena, on the same team, and lovers. Loretta's freedom is close at hand, but with that comes a heaviness. How can she and other links preserve their humanity while fighting for their freedom in these games? On top of that, this is a corporation, and that corporation wants to protect its assets. How can they do that when one of their all-stars is about to win their freedom? This novel skips between perspectives looking at the links, protesters, CAPE employees, and beyond. If you are a fan of fiction that takes on controversial topics and flips them on their head, this is a book for you. If you liked Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark or Bitch Planet by Kelly Sue DeConnick, this is a great pick for you. I really enjoy this cover. I like I like a simple, like outline freestyle design. Um, that's what just what's really present there. But also, like you said, tackling those complex topics turning them on their head and and really just giving us a I don't know a powerful allegory it sounds like yeah yeah um I remember Joe we did an episode with Quentin a long time ago uh where he kind of talked about wanting to take a look at books that take some of these topics and then just kind of flip them kind of like Lovecraft Country does as well I think this is another book that you could add to that list yes well now we really do have to revisit that idea (laughs) so for my last title uh, this one will be out may 11th this is the book that wouldn't burn by mark lawrence all books no matter their binding will fall to dust their stories that the stories they carry may last longer they might outlive the paper the library even the language in which they were first written the greatest story can reach the stars This is the start of an incredible new journey from the internationally bestselling author of Prince of Thorns, in which, though the pen may be mightier than the sword, blood will be spilled and cities burned. Ivar has lived his whole life trapped within a vast library, older than empires and larger than cities. Lavira has spent hers in a tiny settlement out on the dust where nightmares stalk and no one goes. 
The world has never noticed them. That's about to change. As their stories spiral around each other across worlds and time, each will unlock vast secrets about the world and themselves. This is a tale of truth and lies and hearts and the blurring of one into another. So that is The Book That Wouldn't Burn by Mark Lawrence out May 11th. That sounds so good. Uh, that kind of, I'm, I'm very interested to see how blurry we get. Um, because I, I, I love the the challenge of actually kind of making some of those things happen instead of just kind of alluding to at some point they fall in love. Like, no, what, you know, how apart are they and what ways is reality going to bend? And I love that the cover is like a giant library with books galore. If that was the library I was trapped in, would not be mad. Yeah, I don't know that I'd be too upset since that's like the dream library. It looks even better than the Beast's library, which I feel like is kind of the bar. <laughs> that brings me to my last pick, which is a little bit of a different one for me, but I'm trying to grow. It is A Taste of London by John Donahue. This comes out May 2nd. So this book has art, it has food and London. So that's pretty much absolute perfection in my mind. This book is a collection of really lovely line drawings for a hundred restaurants around London, and it features interviews with the owners, chefs, and loyal patrons of this restaurant of these restaurants. So just like a really fun way to explore London, the foodie scene. And again, I'm a sucker for lovely like line drawings and things that are just visually pleasing, but that also allow for you to add your own memory of those restaurants if you've been there or interpretation of those simple line drawings. So that is A Taste of London by John Donahue out May 2nd. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I, I love books about restaurants and eating and food culture. And I love that it's like a hundred. Yeah. So that's like the symmetry or the even number. I really enjoy and that it's cooking and travel and there's a really pretty, just again, really pretty line drawings in this and I love it. I love everything about London. So pretty much sold <laughs> and that's our picks. Jeez. We did it. We did it. We made Another it. Another month down. Yay. I think the hardest... Now we just have to read them. Yeah, right? The hardest part is <laughs> picking only enough to fit in the time allotted because there's so many good books, y'all. Mm-hmm. There are so many good books kicking off what I think is going to be a fantastic summer season yes. of publishing. So those are our May picks. Thank you so much for listening to our always and forever Slay Goofy Mood. Happy reading. Happy reading. Bye, all. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.